Heroes, and welcome to In the Finest Hour, your 40k competitive podcast featuring tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am your good host, Shaylin Allen-West, and with me I have, as always, our neutral host, Sean Morgan. It's me. Hey. And our evil host, Ben Jurek. Well, I definitely had to be the evil one, because it is like 115 out, out here and very hellish. You did elect to live in a desert. I did. Oh, I did. This is my home. Speaking of deserts, we have a... Some call him Tim fellow sitting in the room with us. Who are you exactly? I'm good. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate the uh, Holy Grail reference at the beginning. So, we're off to a good start. Always a pleasure. Uh, Tim, what is your last name? I never actually caught that. My last name is Boutte. It's French, so a lot of people say Buddha, but it's actually Boutte. Boutte. Mm-hmm. Okay. I speak enough French to get myself into trouble. Nice. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Glad to have you here. Glad you appreciate my nerdiness. And hopefully everyone else is too. So, Tim, tell us a little bit about your history and accolades and your current uh, title you hold among... Uh, 40k. All right. Uh, so I've been playing 40k for competitively for about a year now. I started off with Tyranids and went to a GT up in Utah and got my face smashed in by sisters. And um, I guess you could call it like love at first sight. Right after that, I immediately switched uh, to sisters and you know, tried to make Tyranids work, but couldn't really. So uh switched to Sisters and have been having a blast ever since. Um, I just took uh, first place at the Rage GT up in Reno. And currently I am number one Sisters player uh, in the ITC. Congratulations. And uh, Tim likes to speak humbly, but previously to that, he likes to, he's been just top eighting GTs left and right, and has no problem winning an RTT. He's been absolutely crushing it, so he he won't speak high, as highly of himself as his friends will speak of him. But I just want to put it out there that that number one sisters title he currently holds is well earned. Excellent, I appreciate hearing that. Also, you are being tooted by the evil host, so grain of salt there. <laughs> so, uh. Speaking of sisters, clearly uh, getting fleece planted with them taught you that they were an awesome and epic army, but I'm also curious what uh, Sean and Ben feel about sisters. Ben, you want to give us a start since uh, you play them a lot more often than the two of us do? Uh, So, sisters, when I first ran into them in in, uh, in 8th edition, uh, when they they first got their codex, uh, was a relatively, like, tricky army to handle especially from my faction's viewpoint uh just because they had a lot of just like ignore ap one and two which was the majority of the shooting i had um and i had just very surprising units that trade up very well uh and going into ninth edition things just kind of got better because they use transport play they have very strong melee and very strong shooting and they kind of very have some very dirty tricks against some psychically powered armies um the 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 trend i'm seeing going as we're going further in the ninth edition and with their new units and their new codex uh it just gets worse um they're they're the my tldr on them is they just trade up they're 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 efficient and they continually always trade less points for more points fair enough sean I've actually had my eye on Sisters for a while now. They're kind of... They've been a sleeper good army all the way back since 5th edition, although a little intermittently. Um, and I'd kind of been keeping tabs on them for quite a while, uh, but with their their 8th and ninth edition codexes, they really kind of jumped forward and went from being a thing that was, like, secretly kind of good to openly quite powerful yeah um for me personally i've always kind of enjoyed them and now i've i landed a bunch of sisters into my life and i'm like okay well now i'm collecting and playing them and they're uh they're definitely very different from gray knights uh what a surprise but uh but they're really fun i'm like wow yeah no Bolters are good when you can take them in masses like this. 
Um, my observation was the Space Marine codexes and resulting upgrades to Imperial stuff made Sisters even better for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the my my one comment on them, uh, leave, leaving out the, the current GTs I've been running into, is that it's one of the only armies that can actually kill the Stomper reliably on turn one. So I, I need to respect and fear them. <laughs> Fair enough. Stompa fear, whoa. <laughs> Alright, so let's dive into the meat of the episode. We brought Tim here because, I'll be frank, I don't know sisters half as well as I would like to, and I'm going to go be sensible and ask a more experienced, better player how the heck this all works. So, Tim, we're going to start with something really, really basic. Um... And we'd want you to focus on kind of competitive sisters builds here. Uh, but what's their general play style looking like? Um, so from what I've heard and what I actually play, uh, I think, at least for me, uh, is that they're stronger as an MSU army, uh, which means multiple small units. Um, typically, uh Almost like a combination. So right now I've been running uh, Argent Shroud as well as Bloody Rose. So Bloody Rose is the melee punch that is needed. And they're also um, have quite a few units that are actually super duper fast and surprisingly durable um, for being T3, bar uh, T3 one wound bodies. Um, this makes them super easy to actually hide and then come out and trade up like Ben was talking about. And the shooting aspect is... I don't think you can go wrong with Argent Shroud. Uh, so multiple small units of like sisters with um, multi-meltas attached to each one or uh, big flamer bombs. Uh, and what Argent Shroud allows them to do is to actually move, advance, and then count as stationary uh, when shooting, which means that all the multi-meltas are hitting on threes. You also get a mini Salamander's bonus as Argent Shroud because you can re-roll one hit roll or one wound roll uh, per unit that is shooting. So they become super efficient at um, shooting and it's a good way to actually spread damage around so that people can actually focus in on one unit and take it out since it, the damage is now spread throughout all uh, Battle Sister units. The other competitive build that people have been trying out has been uh, Big Sister Blocks. Um, typically, these are probably going to be in either Argent Shroud or Valorous Heart. Valorous Heart allows, uh, it negates negative 1 AP as well as drops down negative 2 to negative 1. Um, in a Big Sister Block, you can put 4 special weapons or 2 heavy weapons and 2 special weapons. And... Um, they become super annoying to kill because there's also a stratagem to give them a four up in bone. But from what I can tell, it's typically uh, the stronger one is probably uh, MSU units flooding the board and slowly moving up to take the mid board with uh, some melee punch to actually finish people out that dare to come close. All right, that's an excellent summary. I Basically, there's the big old defensive sturdy block build and then there's kind of this zerg rush style just every sister's unit is annoying and every sister's unit counts and there's no concentration of force all right they seem just pretty strong overall having been on the other side of the table of that yeah um are there any sort of uh what you would say are key units things you you kind of want to manage or definitely should consider when you're building a sister's army um yeah so uh key units would be dominion squads which get a pre-game move even if they're in a rhino so they take the rhino with them now uh so managing that and typically there's another small unit of retributors or a melee unit in the rhino with them um so it's it's usually trying to manage uh, where the Dominions go uh, turn one, as well as where the Retributors go. And Retributors are the heavy, uh, heavy sisters that after a six inch pregame move, they can disembark, move, advance, and then fire without taking any penalty. So um, actually managing that for the 
bloody rose detachment it's pretty much managing um what i've been running is sacrosaints which are the shield shield girls uh they are on foot they are super slow uh so being careful with those and not leaving them out to dry and unfortunately it is a t3 one wound army so movement is very very essential so that i'm not actually throwing away uh you know, key units like Zephyrum or Repentia or the Dominions or Retributors because anything that actually focuses on them, they tend to uh, crumble pretty quick. Well, those, those Shield Girls are new, aren't they? They just came out of the new decks? Yeah, the Shield Girls are new. They're the, they have a two-up save with a four-up invuln, so they're a little bit more durable. Um, typically, I try keeping them in cover, so naturally they have a one-up save. Okay, nice. So, with let's just say the list you're you're running, uh, do you have any sort of preferred missions or secondaries you kind of pick for that army? Um, missions. The more objectives on the table, the better. Um, let's see here, like six six uh, objective missions in even five. I typically take stranglehold almost every single time. That's the secondary where you hold three and then you just knock off if there's six objectives you knock off your opponent off one so it's hold three and, and hold like more than your opponent which on five and six is pretty easy to do on four it's a definite struggle um but um Banners is also pretty good. Uh, if you have Seraphim, which are the jump sisters that you can pay a CP to make them go back up into reserves, Rod is also a pretty good one. So typically the secondaries that I'm taking are engaging all fronts, stranglehold. Um, depending on what the army I'm facing has, I might pick assassinate because sisters do have a lot of movement jank uh, to actually uh, take out uh, key characters and then um usually rod or um rod or banners would I mean, be the last one when you say rod do you mean retrieve octarius data yes i do uh, that's the it's the gather uh that's the new deploy scramblers right. for 2021 yeah <laughs> thank you for that clarification most handy <laughs> my bad so we, we just talked about some of the good units and kind of things to manage there um are are there units in the codex that are just flops or things you need to be a little more careful with or you know just pitfalls? Uh I'm not too impressed with the uh tanks. So the exorcist um which is the um missile tank basically with the giant organ on the back uh as well as the castigator um which is the new tank that hasn't been dropped yet. Um, I'm not overly fond of the... I'm more fond of the Mortifiers than I am of Pendantin engines because the Pendantin engines hit on fours instead of threes. And honestly, I think there's there's a place for almost every single uh, every single unit in the book besides like maybe the tanks. Okay. I would I would definitely have to single out the uh not the rhino but their their other transport tank whose name I'm completely spacing on emulsifier the yeah the uh emulator seems to be pretty universally detested yeah I think because it's only got a carrying capacity of six, that's like sort of its downfall. Um, I think for the the points, there might be some play, especially with orcs on the horizon, with uh, more flamers being better into giant hordes of stuff. Um, but the carrying capacity of six actually is a huge downfall, since only one one small unit and possibly a character can fit in there. Are there any characters you shouldn't take on the any pitfall characters? Nope. Pretty much all of them have some sort of utility, and they're great. Um, <laughs> it's been really hard not to make a list without uh, seven characters from uh, the Codex so far. So, yeah. 
I'm having a difficult time with that because each character brings something to the table and some sort of utility. All right, I'm going to throw a curveball. How about Imperial Assassins? <laughs> I don't think you need Imperial Assassins. So no so no to the Assassins yeah. is what you're saying. All right. I haven't tested that them is... out yet. <laughs> that is a fair question given uh, Assassin's access. Um so are there any pre-game stratagems you employ on a regular basis to kind of augment what your build's doing? Um, the pre-game stratagems that I'm mostly using is open the reliquaries. Um, I'm probably saying reliquaries wrong, but eh. Um, In your defense, it's made up. Yeah. Reliquary is a real world. <laughs> um... And that's just to get extra relics, possibly also paying CP for an extra Warlord trait um, is also the only pre-game CP that I'm spending. Um, I might end up spending CP to actually put one or two, one unit of Retributors or a unit of Battle Sisters into Strategic Reserve, uh, especially if I take Rod or the Retrieve Octaria date. Octaria Dadith. <laughs> you can say Rod calling now. It you can clarify it. Yeah. Um, so if if I'm going for that secondary, um, because I think it's it's better for what I'm going against, uh, then I will spend CP to put something in strategic reserve as well. Fair enough. Do you build lists in order to have a good, like, one CP option for sneaking into reserve? Like, okay, I know that my my battle sisters cost this many points, so I need another unit that comes in under the one CP limit to go with them, or is that not a big consideration? Um, it really hasn't been that big of a consideration, because I'd much rather uh, score points and pay CP to score almost guaranteed points. As With Rod, what I'm thinking of is, like, very, very slow armies, uh, is typically when I start considering Rod uh, a pretty good pick, because at least at turn three and, or turn two and turn three, I can get at least three of the quarters before they can actually get in. So paying a CP just for a simple Battle Sister squad to go in reserve and just to pop on on turn two um, is pretty handy. So Okay, fair enough. So I think we've covered kind of how sisters play on the kind of conceptual level. Do you have anything to add to it, Tim? Uh, not that I can think of. Fair answer. Yeah. Um, so I want to take a minute and talk about the sister's special army mechanic, which is Miracle Dice. No other army does this in the game, and it's unfamiliar to many people. So let's just start with the basics. How does it work? Okay, so Miracle Dice are basically gained at the start of every battle round now. So you get one Miracle Dice at the start of each turn. And then you also gain Miracle Dice if you kill something. If an Adeptus Sororitas keyword kills something during that turn uh, or during that phase. And the other way you can gain one is if a character has died in that phase. So it's not as many. You can't. Compared to the previous 8th edition codex, you're not getting as many. But um, you can definitely build lists like with Sacred Heart that actually generate quite a bit as well as the uh, Triumph of St. Catherine will give you uh, extra Miracle Dice a turn if you do perform an action near it. So there are ways to actually boost the amount of Miracle Dice you can get but um, with how good and efficient sisters are at actually taking out smaller uh, small units and trading up, I don't think there is a huge need because in eighth edition I always ended up with a sh with a ton of miracle dice that I didn't use, and in ninth edition uh, I am having to actually consider what I'm spending my miracle dice on a lot harder because they're a little bit more rare. But it doesn't seem like I'm always. Um, like, it it never seems like I'm lacking in them. Are Miracle Dice restricted in any way? Uh, no. 
you can gain you uh you can gain one from killing something one per phase. Well, I'm saying what well, you can use them on like you can't can you use them on getting Celestine back or uh, can you use them? On? Yeah, so you can use them on a hit roll, wound roll, uh, damage roll, uh, saving throw. You cannot use them on like characters, and I don't think you can use them on uh, deny the witch anymore as well. Uh, no, you can't. You can use them on damage rolls, which is what I most commonly see it used on. I've always seen Miracle Days as legal cheating. <laughs> <laughs> is it legal cheating, though? I mean, chapter tactics are a thing. Mm, but uh, what uh, what does what do Miracle Dice mean to you when you're playing? As far as like how where do you typically like to use your guaranteed rolls, essentially? Um, so, uh, one of them that I forgot was charge rolls. Uh, those are pretty yep. essential. Um, the other one that uh, I typically use them on is either um, either damage rolls or saving throws. So, the saving throws is mainly for characters because sisters own not all their characters, but a lot of the really, really essential ones um, have a four-up invuln. So if there, if I have a four, I will typically try to wait to use that on a sister's character for a saving throw in case they get hit with like a an, a melt or a multi-damage weapon. Um, the other ones would be charging and then also damage roll because it just feels good to be like, how many wounds does that character have that I shot with a multi-melta? And if they say five or six and I slam down a five or six on the miracle dice, it just feels good to know that they've been wasted. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed kill. Yeah. Um, do you have any kind of advice to people who are starting sisters on when to use miracle dice and what kind of traps people might encounter when they're starting to learn um save save ones for morale i know that nobody really likes to see ones on dice but um i can't count how many times a a morale check has actually been super essential in a game uh, for especially for primary points um so i always uh i never ever uh try to reroll the ones uh i always keep those for morale checks the other part is actually learning when uh what is an essential part so um like an essential role that actually needs to go and i i think with that it just comes down to play style and how people are actually playing sisters and what they have in their army is going to determine like what becomes as an essential role for a unit um universally i do think charges are really important uh especially with the melee threat that sisters can have so um a lot of times people will save the fives and sixes uh for uh, charge rolls that absolutely need to go off that turn and then um, if I have an extra six uh, I always I will only use the uh, damage roll for like actually killing characters that's when I'll throw a miracle dice into killing a character or killing a, a vehicle that needs to die that turn I know you haven't ran into a lot of a uh, options or situations to use this but have you ever used a low miracle die to purposely fail an armor save to like not get wrapped or something uh no not yet <laughs> it'll happen eventually but not yet back pocket tricks i imagine a limiter on that is the the limited number of miracle dice that you can use each turn uh, since you can only throw one per phase out, so, like, throwing one out to intentionally fail is often just not really an option. Now, during your opponent's fight phase, I think that'd be about the time, only time it'd come up if you didn't use the pass to save earlier. Yeah. All right. So, I know Sisters has some specific sef secondaries. What's, uh, what's your opinions on those? Are they even worth bothering with? I'm not a huge fan of them, <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, I think if you're taking a Sacred Rose build, there is a, uh, a secondary that actually gives you points up to a maximum of 12 for using uh, Miracle Dice per turn. 
I think you can you get three points for using three of them and then a fourth point if you use one or two of them during your opponent's turn um or uh, and mm-hmm. but I think you have to build into that and um I'm not really a fan of just building into one secondary i'd much rather be able to build into multiple so there's not a sister secondary that has spoken to me yet that i've felt comfortable actually taking at a tournament or an rtt well i mean that's data too data is not not currently these aren't that great mm-hmm. um so let's talk orders, because Sisters has the six major orders, and then it has the minor orders, which is the choose-your-own order. And I kind of want to go into this stuff a little bit. Um, obviously, you have your preferred orders. Can we talk about those really quick? Yeah, so my preferred orders are Argent Shroud and Bloody Rose. Argent Shroud allows me to move and then count as stationary in the shooting phase. Uh, and Bloody Rose gives me plus one attack and plus one to my uh, AP uh, when I make a charge. So it makes um, all the stuff that is a melee threat, it cranks it up for at least the first round of uh, combat. And then Argent Shroud is my preferred shooting, uh, basically mass MSU shooting uh, chapter or holy order. Or, no, and I'm saying other codexes now. (laughs) So, yeah. I think we understood what you meant there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know there's Sacred Rose, which gives you a little bit more access to more Miracle Dice. Uh, Valorous Heart is still probably the most defensible one, uh, which uh, actually reduces the AP of AP 1 and 2 by 1. Um, and Martyred Lady, I'm more curious to see uh, what extra rules they get in the new, um, what is it, Warzone Carcaradon or whatever. And uh, because that one, you get a bonus to hitting. So if someone dies in the unit, you get a plus one to your ballistic skill as well as your um, uh, weapon skill. So most sisters are hitting on twos if something has died from that unit. And then you also gain a miracle dice every time a unit dies. So it's also another, uh, another one where you can actually bump up the amount of Miracle Dice you have in your uh, Miracle Dice pool. Okay. Um, did any of the build-your-own-order things appeal to you at all? Or is that just a part that you just kind of dismissed because the existing major orders are so strong? Um, sort of dismissed because of the major orders, but that has to do with also like what I what my play style I, the way I like to actually play sisters that's fair so we're just kind of going down the the highlights here some more so uh relics I mean you you talk about taking a second relic so what kind of relics are you looking at so the for the relics I always uh pick um the one that goes on the dogmata which is basically the sister's version of a chaplain um that one is allows uh uh allows a second uh him to be said by her as well as um you get an extra him so instead of knowing two which is war him and something else and she can only recite one she actually knows three hems and can recite two, and those go off on a three. So I've always uh, chosen that. And the other one is uh, Litanies of Faith, which allows me to reroll one Miracle Dice per turn. And this is really handy and almost essential uh, because there's a lack of Miracle Dice or a restriction of Miracle Dice now. Um, being able to re-roll one per turn actually definitely is very, very handy. So those are usually the two relics that I always have. Yeah, it makes sense to, since you have less of them, negating some of the worst luck out of them is actually still pretty handy. Nice. Um, 
And, uh, I mean, they have a nice suite of stratagems now that's way more flushed out. Uh, I know you've mentioned a handful of them. They have a redeploy your sisters with jump packs, basically. Um, but do, do you have kind of like, what, what's the set you would recommend to a newbie? Like, try to learn these ones first. Um, so Blessed Bolts is super essential if you're running Dominions. Uh, similar to other codexes, they tend to give a whole bunch of sp very, very, uh, uh, squad-specific or unit-specific stratagems now. Um, so Blessed Bolts is a, is a amazing, uh, that is sixes to hit, do two, mor two mortal wounds, capped at six. Uh, so if you roll three sixes off of the Artificer Storm, storm Bolters, you'll do six mortal wounds. Um, then there is uh, the Flamer strategy. I am something about fire. Uh, but that pretty much maxes out all Flamer shots. So if you have uh, Seraphim with Hand Flamers, uh, it's four Hand Flamers in there, they actually uh, shoot... 24, uh, strength 4, AP 0, 1 damage uh, flamers. And then on what I'm really liking them on is retributor units with heavy flamers. And these are Ministorum heavy flamers, which are actually strength 6, AP minus 1, 1 damage. And so if there are two ammonium cherubs in there, that's actually 36 auto hits uh, just from that unit. Um you can combine that with Holy Trinity. Burninate. Yeah, it is. Uh, I am learning now that possibly leaning more into flamers is actually a very, very good thing. <laughs> Trapdoor! <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Holy Trinity is really good. That's uh, if you have a combi melta on the sergeant of that or... Um, you can actually, if you shoot it all at one target, you get plus one to wound. So plus one wound to wound with the Melta, plus one to wound with the Bolters, and plus one to wound with all the Flamers in that. Um, uh, there's Defenders of the Faith, which you can give a Battle Sister squad uh, transhuman if they are near the objective, and it also makes their rapid fire go out uh, to max out at 24. Um, so typically you'll see that on big sister squads instead of small ones. And, um, I think those are like the, the main ones that I use really, really consistently. Um, there's a way to shoot, uh, to have Zephyrim shoot or not Zephyrim, but Seraphim shoot when they come in. Uh, this no longer increases their range by six inches, so... Uh, you can't shoot Inferno pistols uh, at a target when coming in, but they still... I'll sometimes use that just to clear out um, screens or uh, hordes if they're near objectives. I mean, shooting twice in a turn is still a valuable thing to spend CP on. Yeah, definitely. And so those are all the ones you like to use. Any any really niche ones you're kind of saving in the back pocket to like suddenly win a game these days? I can't think of any. Uh, Zephyrim get plus one to wound for one CP. Uh, and they are now, if they're in Bloody Rose, they have four attacks uh, on the charge. And if you put Warham on them, they get five attacks on the charge. So a squad of five will be throwing out... Um, 26 attacks at strength 4, AP minus 4, 1 damage, uh, with plus 1 to wound. So they can absolutely shred if they get there. So I like keeping that one in the back of my mind, and um, I think that's about it. Fair enough. Oh, wait. I got one. I got one. I just remembered. All right, all right. Oh, uh, snap. Uh, two CP, you can make a character, a non-named character, res, if you discard Miracle Dice. So if you kill a Cannoness or a Palantine or a Dogmata, you can pay two CP and get rid of one to two Miracle Dice or however many Miracle Dice, and they actually come back at the end of that phase with that many wounds left on them. That seems like one to not forget. Yeah. 
<laughs> Especially since I've used it. <laughs> oh yes, that character you intended to kill. It's yeah. flicking you off and growling at you again. Yep. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Not staying dead super good. <laughs> so I also noticed that there's a... Uh... New to this codex, they have an ability where you can pay some points to get extra special rules, um, like the voice of the emperor. Are any of those worth it? Or yeah, so the most expensive one is definitely worth it. At least uh, how I've been playing it. Uh, that is the word of the emperor. I'm pretty sure word or hand of the emperor. It's forty points. Uh, it goes on a canoness or a palantine. And the innate ability that you get all the time is uh, that Canoness or Palantine can choose any unit within three inches of her and they fight last. And then you can pop a Miracle Dice uh, for one turn uh, until the next command phase. And uh, depending on the Miracle Dice that was cast aside, you have a, uh, a bubble of no invuln. So uh, your opponent does not get any involved saves. And I have found her, I've found that ability absolutely incredible when it is popped at the right time. I bet there's a lot of uh, squads that are designed to be hard to shift because of high involved saves. And this is like, no, you don't get to have that. Yep. I have killed many, many Terminators. Using <laughs> using that miracle dice. Many, many. That's fair. Uh, ignoring invulns is a good rule. Sean could tell us all about ignoring invulns. It's pretty handy. It's, uh, it's still one of the best spells in Chaos Space Marines. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have views about that spell. But anyways. Um, so... It sounds like we've got a good summary of kind of the highlights of the strengths of the Sisters Codex here. Uh, good units, kind of how the playstyles favored, and everything from stratagem choices to um, just basic army construction. So we're going to stop in, take a little break here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about how to destroy Sisters so that no one has to feel unneededly helpless. Greetings, dear listener. Instead of saying something pithy about joining our Patreon, I would like to tell you that currently we are offering PDF versions of the secondaries that are printable and in card size for convenient use. You print them, slide them into a little slot with a playing card backing, and now you've got yourself a nice little secondary reference card for playing with. Do your community a favor and go support your FLGS as the states open up. They are in need of some help. And we are back to bring light and illumination into the subject is how to knock down this extremely efficient and powerful army. Because no army is without its weaknesses. So, Tim, we have to make you confess now. What are some of the big key army weaknesses that sisters have? What are some things that the faction just doesn't do well? Um, so... Honestly, there's still T3 bodies with one wound. So, um, if you can make Sisters players roll enough dice, uh, they will start, um, start losing models pretty quickly. Uh, anything with strength six is absolutely terrifying. I'm looking at you, autocannons, specifically. Um, 
They do innately always have a six up invulnerable save, but banking on a six up invulnerable save to actually like win the game is not a good idea. Um, and then also like pretty much all of sister's shooting is 24 inches, um, 24 inches or less. Uh, so outranging them is definitely a possibility. Um, and also like a safer bet, uh, so I think that, and even though I can move and advance and shoot, um, they still have to be on foot for the most part, except uh, the ones in transports. And the transports are not actually that hard to pop. So the fact that most most of the time sisters are on foot, and which means like a six inch movement, the fact that they do not have a lot of long range uh, shooting or uh, shooting threats and the fact that they are T3 bodies that are one wound are definitely like their huge weaknesses. Yeah, I, I will say having played a little bit of sisters and played a lot with rhinos in general, they last about a turn, mm -hmm. um, maybe a turn and a half if your opponent's not being super great with their uh, target priority. But buying a turn is pretty good. Yeah. That said, that's not unuseful to you. No. Does I I know some armies build around characters. Uh, are there any sort of like linchpin units sisters have to protect specifically? Um. Yeah. So most of the characters do play a vital role. Um. If the person, uh, including me, like I like to run the sacrosants, which have the bodyguard keyword. So, uh, killing the bodyguards is pretty important to actually getting, um, getting to the actual characters. Uh, since no ranged attack can actually target a character if one of the sacrosants is th within three inches of that character. Um, so targeting the Sacrosaints would probably be the, uh, first thing, um, but all, like, at least my list, since I'm running technically seven characters in it, um, it, it is very, very character, uh, dependent with buffs and with, uh, how the actual army, uh, plays with efficiency as well, so... If you can kill a character, yeah. it's a very, very good thing for the opponent and a not-so-good thing for the sisters player. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that overall sisters don't like uh, smaller boards, uh, even though they're a shorter-range army. Is that just because it involves getting up close and personal too fast with the opponent? or? Um, I actually like when I'm closer to the opponent. So, uh, basically what I was saying, if people outrange, like, uh, let's say Admech Rangers, uh, Admech Rangers can get to like 27 inches or something like that. They can actually stay outside of the threat range and sort of pick it apart. Um, Dreadnoughts are also really good at this and absolutely, um, as a Sisters player, I find Dreadnoughts absolutely terrifying, especially the Volkite variation. Um, just because of the mass amounts of shots, uh, mortal wound potential, and the fact that they're 45 inches, which, I mean, um, even if I'm coming out of a rhino with, uh, retributors with multi-melters, I think my max threat range is about 36 inches if I roll a high advance. So, uh, if, if people can actually stay out of range, um, out of the 24 inch to 30 inch threat range that sisters have, they're actually in a better position than most. Okay. So a lot of the counterplay, it sounds like is basically managing the range with sisters. Um, so this can involve, uh, as we know from previous episodes, this can involve move blocking, basically keeping his sisters from getting close enough and then just kind of sitting away. Sacrificial move blocking like that. Yeah. Not what you call a good time. Is a uh, is deep strike denial pretty uh, pretty good against sisters for like stopping your jump pack units and stopping your Arcturus data and stuff like that, or 
Are you more of an army that runs up the board? Uh, so previous edition, I was definitely relying on the deep strike and the coming in from a board edge. Uh, this edition, I am actually finding myself being on the board more often with less in deep strike or, and, uh, less off the board. So I'm not as worried. Um, but I know some people and you know, some sisters players will still uh, try to have everything in deep strike or at least one hard hitting unit that's trying to come in from off the board. So it does have that's some pretty... play. Yeah. Um, is is there a particular like matchup? Like you see this kind of build and faction across the board and you're just like, ugh. Uh, that's Admech right now for me, um, as well as uh, Dreadnought builds. Um, the uh, Ultramarine dread, uh, Dreadnought build, as well as the, uh, what is it, Death Watch? There's a Death Watch uh, uh, Dreadnought build. It yeah, the, the Redemptor Dreads are absolutely terrifying, and they, they, they have a really great spot in the meta right now with the... Uh, with Drakari and uh, be also being a big portion. Yeah. So those are those are the ones that I'm most terrified of. Um, I think with the new Codex, I'm actually less scared of Drukari at this point. They're still really really good, but I I feel a little bit more comfortable going into Drukari now. So. Yeah, you've got some better shenanigans to counterwork their nonsense. And liquefiers are gone, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there secondaries you're weak if your opponent grabs them against you, basically? Secondaries you, you can easily give up. Um, Assassinate is always good against uh, at least the list that I run, because they're very, very character-heavy, and eventually, at least in turns three and four, I have to start actually... Uh, throwing out my characters because they tend to actually put in quite a bit of uh, work, but it also means that I'm leaving them out to actually get shot uh, in turns three and four. Um, grind them down is amazing against sisters. Uh, if it's more of a elite heavy army or anything like that, because sisters tend to run a ton of multiple small units Um so grind is actually pretty successful into sisters. It's a little bit harder to grab at the end of the game, but definitely at the beginning um, and in the middle, it's actually a pretty uh, easy slam dunk. Um, also, maybe looking into the the wound counter, but you're at that point you're probably tabling the sisters player, which is pretty hard to do. But I do know with my current list I'm probably running close to 80 to 90 uh, T3 single wound girls so that actually might be pretty good as well alright that's good to know um, does anyone want to interject any final questions of Tim while we've got him here Tim when, uh, when you're playing on your back foot how uh, how do sisters come back when they're not doing well? If you've had a bad couple turns, or where what do you how do you play sisters if you're in a if you've already kind of been put into a losing position, like you're down in points and your opponent has somewhat outplayed you? Um, at that point, I'm more focused on the mission and grabbing primary. Uh, so it it comes out to being a little bit more. I actually tend to ball up a little bit more while sending out random units to go and grab objectives and try to push people off of them. Um, and so it it becomes less mobile. I would say like I become very 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 stagnant or not as not like completely stagnant but i start actually keeping shit together uh because that's typically where all the characters and all the buffs are coming from so in my command phase i'll be buffing up certain units and then sending them out to try and uh take points away from the opponent and mainly that's through primary shenanigans more so than secondary so when i'm on the back foot i'm more focused on uh 
trying to deny my my opponent primary and just trying to beat him on that instead. Okay, excellent. Sean, you got anything that you want to ask or add? Hmm? No, I think we covered it. I think I got one more. Your opponent has a shooting phase. They can see everything because the board sucks. What do you not want them to not shoot? What's the one unit you really don't want them to shoot that you're praying that you don't lose on turn one? Probably multi-melta retributors or Morven Ball or Celestine. And those are pretty hard to get to with between Lookout Sir and the and the transport. So yeah. not too worried about losing those too much. No. Turns out you built in defenses against Planet Bowling Ball. How strange! All right. Well, first off, thank you, Tim. We really appreciate you being here, and you've been very informative to all three of us, and hopefully our listeners as well. Well, thanks for so, having me. It was nice to, to talk about sisters. I always love talking about sisters. There's not a damn time I don't like talking about yeah. sisters. <laughs> Excellent. Sean, you want to carry us out real quick? Well, if you have enjoyed our episode and you'd like to maybe contact us about it, or you just want to talk about lists and stuff more generally, you can find us as in the finest hour at gmail.com or on Facebook or as also in the finest hour. And if you really appreciate what we do here and you want to help support us for five dollars a month, you can join our Patreon and gain access to our private Facebook group as well as our Discord server where we talk about all of the the models we're painting and building and strange list ideas we come up with and stupid memes and all that other kind of stuff. So thank you very much to all of our Patreons. We really appreciate what you do for us. And without you, we wouldn't have the equipment or the hosting to, to continue doing this. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow, our epic artist who does our banners, icons, and just various other wonderful things that make our community better. Tim, have you seen Rylan's work? I have not, unless Ben is pulling it up on the computer right now. So, all right, good. We'll we'll, we'll fix this. <laughs> oh damn, he does do good work. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that's actually that's super nice. Yeah, Rylan does some really incredible work, especially for Chaos and Slanesh. He needs to get on the sister train. I mean, you can always commission, and he's always available for commissions. Mm. Yep. And he's pretty affordable and very quick. I need a picture of Celestine. And then we'd also like to thank Dank Muse for the wonderful sounds that they provide for our podcast on both our intro and our intermission. And you can find their work on SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. All right. That wraps us up for this week uh next week we are going to be talking about being a good sport and the new itc code of conduct so once again thank you tim we really appreciate you and this has been shaylen allen west sean morgan ben jerry and tim boutet thanks for listening